0: Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to a special edition of the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribble's fame. And as always, I am joined by
1: Uh, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays 8 to 10 on gtownradio.com. The
0: sound from Germantown.
1: The sound from Germantown. Tonight,
0: as I stated before, we are bringing you a very special Special edition of the Michelle Mission there was an article uh, that went out on Slate Magazine on Slate.com that just begged for us to dig a lot deeper into what's called the Black Film Canon the 50 Greatest Movies by Black Directors uh, it appears that uh, Slate Magazine got together um, leading Black Directors, Filmmakers um actors producers to you know just banty about themselves as it were to come up with a listing of the 50 greatest films by black directors and that is a key point that these are 50 um, films by black directors not necessarily the 50 greatest black actors
1: Films. Right. Films about black people like exactly. You, you know, for instance, The Color Purple is not on the list.
0: No, it is not. No, it's not. Um so so I thought that that was a very interesting distinction and made for a very interesting and diverse list um and a very enjoyable article uh, on slate bag uh, on slate.com and the writer of that article is here with us tonight it is Aisha Harris how you doing aisha great thanks now all right the black film Canon 50 greatest movies about by black directors exactly what was the um, what was the impetus to to uh, to create such a listing
2: uh, well my editor Dan Coyce, who co-authored the piece with me he kind of came up with the idea of, in the, in the wake of Oscar So White and the controversy over the fact that there are there were no people of color nominated in the acting category for the second year in a row, um, he came up with the idea of, like, let's come up with this definitive list of films by black directors um, to kind of counter the narrative that there are not already films that have been made by and about black people uh, that are great and excellent. And we kind of moved beyond just the idea of us are still white. It's also the idea that any sort of film canon or list of the greatest, the so-called greatest films, they rarely ever include any people, or at least any black people on the list. Um, yeah. You'll probably mm-hmm. see a lot of Asian auteurs and, and um, that sort of thing. And But you rarely ever see black directors. Um, and so you might see a Spike Lee, but... It's always one film. It's do the right thing. So we wanted to expand the idea of what a great film can look like and that it can include black directors and black filmmakers. And that was another thing is we wanted to make sure it was specifically about black people being able to tell their own stories. So that, like you mentioned earlier, is why a movie like Color Purple, which is directed by Steven Spielberg or Carmen Jones, which was directed by, I think, Otto Prelinger. That's why you don't see movies like that on our list.
0: Nice, and they, they got together twenty prominent filmmakers, critics, and scholars, including uh, Ava du uh, Ava DuVernay, Robert Townsend, Charles Burnett, w- Wesley Morris, Henry Louis Gates, Gina Price uh, Bythewood, Bythewood, um, to get together to talk about their favorite favorite movies. I'm just I'm just curious um, when you was it literally getting everybody into a room to have this discussion, or did you have to reach out to everybody individually?
2: Oh, yeah, no. I mean, that would have been awesome, but uh, <laughs> right. we, we, pretty much all of this was done over email communication, you know, reaching mm-hmm. out to the publicists and whatnot, um, and some of them sent them uh, to us directly. Uh, the only person I actually sort of interviewed for this was Robert Townsend. Uh, he was uh, gracious enough to Hop on and talk to me for about twenty minutes over the phone about some of his favorite films.
3: Nice. Um, oh wow! And so
2: that was great. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it was all via email communication, you know. And we we basically asked the way we did it was we asked them for five um, movies, five mm-hmm. of their picks, um, and that helped us kind of formulate the list. Like at the end of the day, myself and Dan sort of had the last the last call on what made it. So obviously, not every movie that every person we had on the list, or who that we, who we interviewed, uh, was included on our li- our final list. But um, basically, they helped guide the the, the lists for us, and they also confirmed some of the movies that we had on our own personal list. Um, and there were a lot of movies that, especially, we wanted to sort of expand it beyond just filmmakers, and we also had critics and and um, Academics who have mm-hmm. studied and thought about black film extensively, and those those people especially were very helpful in, in pointing out films that neither Dan or I may have either seen yet or heard of. Um, so it was really great to get sort of it was an educational experience for myself as well. Like a lot of these movies I hadn't seen before, um, so it was it was it was fun to 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 do that and get all these different perspectives on what uh, the best films would be.
1: Okay. You you mentioned a little bit in the article that there were some surprises. And and I was wondering, you know, what film or which films surprised you once you start to hear those names over and over again?
2: Um, well, I would say that um, I guess the biggest surprise for me, and this one wasn't mentioned over and over. We had one person recommend it. But when I watched it, I was like, very in, impressed. Uh, and that would be The Watermelon Woman by mm. Cheryl Dunye. Okay. Um, it's a very, I mean, I hadn't even heard of it before this list. And it's a very sort of uh, ninety, very 90s feeling movie, low budget movie um, by a black lesbian filmmaker. I think it gets credit for being the first like mainstream film or film released theatrically uh, by a, an out black lesbian filmmaker. Um, and it's it's this really fascinating film with like a mixture of, it's like so documentary, but there's also some um, narrative storytelling involved. It's basically, it stars Cheryl Dunier, the director, um, sort of playing a version of herself. She discovers this woman uh, who's not a real, who wasn't a real person, but she creates this uh, uh, character who is sort of similar to like the mammy, um who am I Hattie McDaniel sort of woman who was only credited in these old movies from the nineteen thirties and forties as the watermelon woman. Wow. And so she seeks out a she wants to find out more about this woman and uh she tried to make a documentary about her by interviewing a bunch of people. While she's doing that, there's also this other narrative story about her falling in love with a white woman and sort of the issues that come into dating her. So it's like, it's it's very, very, I think one of the more unique films we have on our list. And I thought it was really great. And we wanted to also include as many different sort of voices within the black uh, film canon as we possibly could. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, that was one of the surprises. I think also another surprise, now that I think about it, is car wash. Um,
3: <laughs> wow. Which,
2: yeah, which that actually got a few uh, different a few different people recommended that, and I had never seen it before. I sort of written it off because I feel like it hasn't aged well in the mind of most critics.
3: Right. Every time you
2: read about it, they're like, "Oh, it's like a black exploitation film," because. They seem to apply black exploitation to every film made in the '70s about black people, Very even though true. They, yes. they aren't always. Um, but it's like it's definitely not a black exploitation film. Like I came away, watch after watching it, and thinking it was more like a sort of um, I don't know, like a Richard Linklater film, or um, who's the director? Uh,
0: Michael Schultz, the director.
2: Nashville. Um, yeah, but the Nashville. We directed
0: Nashville. I always forget. Oh, oh, um, that's um, you know Vince, the d- d- director of the movie Nashville.
2: Oh, Robert, Robert Altman.
0: That's right, Altman. Robert Altman. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So
2: it feels it's like a day in the life. It it. it it has all these different characters and you're just sort of weaving in and out through their different stories as they're playing out in one place. It has that like Altman esque or like Linklater feel. Um,
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: I, I, I like that about it. And also like it has, but it's a very distinct film made by a black filmmaker. So I I came away from it and thinking, wow, this is a way better film than I think people remember it as. Um, so that was
0: another surprise. It is a it, it, you you hit the nail right on the head when you <laughs> said distinct. The, the, yes. the car wash is definitely a distinct film. Um, but it's funny reading your write up on the movie. Um, I think there was somewhere in there where it mentioned uh, Richard Linkletter mm-hmm. uh, kind of vibe to it, and I had never <laughs> thought of that. Right, until right. Until you, you said, until it. I saw that, it's like, yeah, I guess that is. I, I guess that, that that definitely is. Um, is a hallmark of that film right right um, and
1: which, I'm a fan of Michael Schultz I know just as his work just his work so yeah. it was nice to see that on there
0: now I'll tell oh, yeah I'll tell you Aisha uh, as we as we we went through the list and this and, and there's a lot of noteworthy um, films uh, on the list and we'll touch on a few of them uh, here uh, and, and it's it is important to know that while this is 50 great films by black directors they're not all feature films Uh, some of them are from television were made for television as well right right yeah but it was a surprise on my part probably not Vincent's but on my part to see one particular movie on here because I I I, want to hear hear your read Aisha on the spook who sat by the door ah yeah now this is a film now I'm going to read from the article here uh, Vince what, they, uh, what um, they say about this film uh, is directed by Ivan Dixon famously yes. of Hogan's Heroes. Yes. Ivan Dixon's scathing satire based on Sam Greenlee's novel of the same name is vital important filmmaking that is also grimly funny and thrilling to watch. Of uh, all the films on this listing, I have to say that I just wholeheartedly disagree with that. With that, that depiction of the spook who sat by the door. There is, it is, it is. Um,
1: Lynn's not a fan.
0: It is neither grimly funny or <laughs> thrilling to watch. It to me. I'm a fan. What do you that's, say, Aisha?
2: That's fair. I uh, I disagree, obviously. I think that it is um, a great film, and I think it's especially still relevant today in many ways. And I, I, I don't know. I just realized I put it in the context of the time it was made and the fact that it that it was supposedly um, suppressed by the FBI or the government or whatever. I think that the fact that they made this film when they did is, is a, very powerful and I also just I think it's I think there are some funny sort of satirical moments playing with throughout that film that I think work um I I think it's clever I enjoy it
1: okay there you go (laughs) Lynn now what I thought Lynn was going to bring up and and this is a film that he and I have had a running conversation about this is a list of black films you know films created by a Black artists and and black directors, and and in the in the um, description, you know, as you just said at the beginning, telling our stories, and yet a movie like Twenty Fifth Hour is on the list, which is Mm -hmm. you know one of my favorite Spike Lee movies. But you know, as as we said, sort of our charge is we're going to do every black film, and Lynn and I have a debate about whether or not this would count as a black film because there aren't any primary black characters in the film and yet it's on this list so it seems like once again i'm right but i'll let you talk aisha
2: <laughs> well i mean rosario dawson is considered black right black latina Black Latina, um, granted, yes she, she, but she i mean granted she's not a primary character in that film but she's a she's a lead uh but to your point i i think that that was for this whole list like obviously our main goal was the idea of like black filmmakers telling their own stories. There's power in that. Um, and obviously when you're a black filmmaker, you are more likely, I think, to make films about us because how often do our stories get told correctly by other people? Um, so that's just naturally going to be the the case is that most black filmmakers will make films that are about or starring at least, uh, people of color. But To me, I guess it's difficult when you're talking about black film and how you define a black film. Uh, is Is a white director who directs a film starring black people, can you consider that a black film? I think yes. And in the same way, I do think that it's a testament to someone like Spike that he was able to make such a great film that is not about black people because it shows his range. And I think it also says, black people should be able to have as much freedom to create the movies that they want as white directors do or Mexican directors do or, you know, like Guillermo del Toro frequently makes movies with white people starring in them. Um, So I think that we should have that um, sort of uh, expansion and openness to be able to tell those stories. Plus, 25th Hour, even if it's not specifically about black people it is being directed by a black person and he's obviously putting his touch on it so to me it's still a black film
0: you can definitely feel his touch in, in that film um in the way he like like spike is a guy that's in love with New York right and it comes through big time in that in that film
1: right right mm-hmm. I
0: really appreciated that another thing about this about um the listing is that there are quite a number of of these films that are by black female directors. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, is great of course uh, Ava DuVernay is uh represented on here both for Selma and for Middle of Nowhere which right, we actually right. reviewed
1: which is, is is a podcast favorite.
0: Yeah and it is a, it, a big uh, big favorite. Um uh, uh Cassie Lemons for Eve's Bayou which is coming up. Uh, yes. Uh, uh very soon. And then Criminally uh, Daughters of the Dust, N- and not criminally because of the movie, because the movie is well worthy to be praised um, both for its story and for the look of it. It's one of the most beautiful movies you'll ever see. But criminally, because the director Julie Dash, I I, if I, I was uh, surprised to read the write-up that nobody came to her afterwards for eno-
1: to right, offer right, her a deal. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean,
2: that is the case for a lot of these directors especially the women on our list um, many of them have only made one or two films feature films in their entire careers. Um, I think we had, let's see for um, ugh, sorry I'm like blinking right now director of uh, Beyond the Lights and um, Love and Basketball uh, Gina Perz-Spicewood Right. Like, he made it was 12 or 13 years between when those two
0: Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works network hosted by comedians Jacques neal and Edgar Momplesteur The best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to
1: eat a taco? That's with your hands. With your hands, also with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce.
2: Movies came out, and she didn't make any other feature films in that time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty it's unfortunately pretty common that even if you have a hit movie, and Love and Basketball was also a movie that got great reviews. Um, Roger Ebert, if I recall, loved it. Like, even that does not mean that you are going to immediately go from making that to getting a big feature film. I mean, Ava DuVernay's, I think, very... Obviously, it's a testament to her talent, but I think it's also a testament to how things might be changing for the better, to some extent. The fact that she went from making... A small movie like Middle of Nowhere to then directing a big budget, you know, movie like Selma. Right. Um, And I mean, it wasn't a quick hop. I think there were like three years between those two movies, two or three years. Mm -hmm. But still, that's pretty. That's a lot quicker than having thirteen, having over a decade pass between your two feature
3: films.
2: Right. So I think it just speaks to, unfortunately, the fact that women of color have it even worse than black male directors when it comes to trying to get your films made. And I mean, we all know about Spike's struggles to make certain films that he wants right. to do. He kick, he kickstarted sweet blood of Jesus and he's 30 plus years into this game. Yes. So yeah. if, if he's having trouble, it's doubly hard, I'm sure for, for many women of color in Hollywood.
1: What didn't make the list? What was it what was like, number 51 through
2: 55? Oh, I mean, there are a, a lot of uh, films. Uh, Menace to Society was close to being left on, uh, but we, myself and Dan both felt like, to me anyway, at, there are some great moments in it, but I, I definitely don't love that movie, and I don't feel like it's aged particularly well.
0: It's a troubling uh, film. Yeah. It, it is a troubling film. I, I, I'll
1: give you that.
2: Yeah, um, so that didn't make it, um, instead, in a way, so, well, there's some, I guess, it wasn't like we swapped them, but we had we had Juice on the list, which right. I feel like doesn't get as much due as it should. I think it's actually, like, a far superior film to Menace of Society.
3: Yes. Yeah, um, oh, yeah.
2: And, and there, they both came out around the same time, and they were often compared. Um, so, yeah, that didn't make the list. Um a lot of people were upset that we didn't include training day.
1: <laughs> oh, that's um, interesting.
2: Yeah. Which is another film that like, I feel like is mostly great based on Denzel's performance.
1: Right. Right. And
2: that's about it. Like, I don't feel like it's a particularly like great movie from the perspective of, of, um, Antoine Foucault's direction. Mm-hmm. So that didn't make the list. Um, trying to think what
0: else. Is there a movie is there a movie that you particularly championed for that did not uh, ultimately did not make the list?
2: Um, not really. I I, I wrote the article. It. I
0: got all my movies in there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, um, pretty much everything that I was really uh, wanted made the list. Like the one that I championed for that and that did make the list is Waiting to Exhale, uh, which I think a lot of people wouldn't think of as a great movie, but I do think it is culturally relevant. And also there are just some great performances by black women. And it's the rare film that like, it's it's about what they feel and what they want. Um, And so I championed for that. And I was like, I think it needs to be on the list. And so we, we put it on the list. Um, I think people often, I often forget that Forrest Whitaker directed it. It's, like, weird, but... um, Right,
1: right. It seems, well, it seems like you should have had a woman director.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think this film suffers too much, though, because it is still based on um, uh, a a woman's book. So I feel like it doesn't suffer too much in that um, translation. Um, Yeah, for the most part, everything I wanted really badly made the list. There weren't too many films, I can't think of any, that I was, like, really hard, like, gunning hard for and didn't get.
0: There are, like we say, ladies and gentlemen, this is 50, the 50 greatest um, films by black directors, and it... Goes all over the gamut. There's uh, romance. There's drama. There's action. Um, there comedy. A fair number of comedy. Fair number of comedies. Number of comedies. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies of the last ten years. It. Uh, I was so happy to see make this list. That's Pariah. I love. I love uh, love love Pariah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A- that it's so great. So, so great. Yeah. I mean,
0: and and you you talk about a movie with just um like a, a killer. Performances uh, up and down in a film. Wow, it's just a powerful film. Um,
2: yeah, Kim, Kim Wayans, especially. It's like, yeah. where did that come from? Yeah.
0: you know what? i I'm, <laughs> you, you talk about you. You talk about Kim Wayans. There's not a person in the world. I don't think Kim Wayans' mama would have been expect like expecting to see that such raw honesty come out of her in that film. There, the scene. In that movie when and it's not even the scene with her daughter it's the scene in that movie where she is sitting there in her in her um in the break room at her job and all the other women start coming in piling you know piling in and you see her awkwardness sitting there with them it's just like it's it's riveting just such power it, it powerful acting
2: yeah i'm sorry so
1: Lynn likes Pariah a lot. I do, man. I do. But there's a lot of <laughs> but there's a lot
0: of um also one of the, I wanted to touch on real quick is there's a lot of um uh uh films with an international flavor. Right, right in, in here, mm. which which, you know, sadly I will have to admit, um, um more than a few of them I have not seen. Um and I'm not sure if I can uh, pronounce them. Uh there's Timbuktu.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: from 2014, there's, I think this is Tuki Buki from yes. from yes.
3: 1973,
0: which looks very very interesting. Uh, yeah, that looks that that looks a little interesting about that. Talk about that for a minute.
2: I mean, Tuki Buki is, I think, the way. Dana Stevens, who's a Slate uh, critic, she described it as sort of like a Bonnie and Clyde sort of film,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: very distinctly African, um, and it really is just—it's a really fascinating film. It's—it's it's hard for me to describe it.
0: It—it's it's a road movie. Just reading from the, the write-ups, a road movie that follows two young lovers as they dream of escape to Paris, or truly of returning from Paris in triumph of all of their friends in Dakar. Uh, for all of their friends in Dakar to see a jazzy freewheeling blend of traditional African cinema and French new wave.
2: It's- yeah. It's, it's just, it's, a, it's a marvel to watch. Um, and I, I think that's one of the films that if you, if you go to film score, you go to, or you're very into international African, uh, African cinema, you know, that movie, it, it's one of the more, um, well-known movies of that sort. Um, there are other movies on this list, also international ones, like you mentioned, that I uh, had not seen, like Sankofa uh, by Haile Jerima. Yeah, um, yeah. Which uh, I hadn't seen, but I just, I have to agree with um, the people who recommended it for our list. Like, I do think it's probably one of the best. And I, it's, it's hard to say, like, for me to say that it's the best slavery, movie about slavery because, like, I don't really, there's just something weird about saying that, but I, yeah. I do think that it, it's just so, it, the way it handles the politics of slavery and the, the inter, the relationships between the slaves and, like, what that dynamic and the hierarchy and all the colorism and all that stuff is just, like, really, really well, well done. And right. uh, I, I really wish I could have thought, like, the problem with a lot of these films actually is that, that's the other thing about them not necessarily being big Hollywood films. A lot of them on our list um, is that there—it's hard to find good like copies of them. I was—I uh, was just
1: about to ask about the availability and the politics of availability.
2: Yeah, I mean, there were certain movies. There was uh, There's actually one movie that we got that was recommended to us that sounded really fascinating,
3: and um,
2: we weren't able to find it anywhere. Like, it's not on DVD. It's not online. Um, and we reached out to the filmmaker himself and he was like, I'm sorry, I can't help you either. Like, I don't have a copy or whatever. I was like, okay, I guess we can't consider this for the list. Wow. Um, (laughs) Which, which really, uh, which sucked. But, uh, yeah, a lot of these movies are even like we, we included the availability on our list. Um, I I noticed that that's some of them are Amazon streaming. Some of them are on Netflix. Um, a movie like, um, and one of the movies that uh, Ava DuVernay um, suggested, which was uh, *Ashes and Embers*, yes. uh, also by Haile Um, That movie only recently came to Netflix because of her production company, Array. Right, that's which, right. Um, they, you know, they made they made it work, and I don't think it had ever been available anywhere before that, mm-hmm. even on DVD. Um, so, thankfully, that's on Netflix. Uh, but a lot, yeah, a lot of these are hard to to find. and if you can find them, the quality's not necessarily that great. but um, I mean if you can find it, you should definitely definitely watch them.
1: Well, I know for years Sankofa, it was almost impossible to find a copy of it and and you know i'm I'm just over the moon that they're finally going to to re-release a, a pristine copy of Daughters of the Dust. So yeah. You know, it is it it is. It's it's really tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we we actually are we're on another episode gonna go deep into that because uh we're doing, you know, every film. Right, black right. film ever and and um, one of the, our next scheduled film was a Spike Lee film. A Spike which you Lee think film. should be readily available, but that it, it, we cannot get our hands on a copy.
1: You have to get a physical copy of Girl 6 if you want to watch it. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, I know. It's really, really rough, and that that's partially why I'm going to admit right now that I have still not yet seen Girl 6 um, because it's, like, impossible to find. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: it's crazy it's it's it it, it it's cra- meanwhile unfortunately you you're talking about like the films of the seventies almost tons of those films are available for free streaming on youtube right um some illegally okay. so but um that's the shame that's the the shame of it all there yeah uh, um uh, I do have to say uh put this to you Aisha, and I ask you because because um I don't know what didn't make the list or anything like that but i find it i find it particularly odd that um prince's graffiti bridge <laughs> did not make the list of the of the, wait
2: princes which which movie
0: graffiti bridge this was uh oh, his really? His, his, <laughs> his, <laughs> his, she's like really <laughs>
2: No. Is that a joke? That's, that's a big. That's, <laughs> that's a big that's time a joke. joke. That's
0: a big time joke. That's a big time. <laughs> joke. Big time. Um, but this is. It is actually a very great list. It's available on slate dot com, ladies and gentlemen. The black film canon: the fifty greatest movies by black directors. Um, they got together uh, a whole ton of them. Todd Boyd, Charles Burnett, who Charles Burnett, I didn't even realize. Um. He's like a name that I always hear bantied about out there.
1: Yeah, to sleep with anger, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and that was a. And yeah. You talk about
0: a slept on movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. but man, that's a good movie, man. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Julie Dash, Ernest Dickerson, um, Stephen, uh, Stephane Dunn, Carl Franklin, uh, Franklin Leonard, one fall smooth, Carl Franklin. Yep, yeah, Wesley Morris, uh, Rebecca Theodore, Vacon, uh film film critic, and. Robert Townsend who you spoke to him Uh, last question uh, Aisha Mm -hmm. I've never met Robert Townsend at at all I've never never met him I've seen a a great deal of his work and I've seen him interviewed from time to time please confirm to me what I've always uh, long suspected that Robert Townsend may be one of the nicest men on earth
2: Uh, Yes, I can totally confirm that. He is very wonderful. I actually just uh, last week, I um, am, well, I guess I can say I have a podcast of my own that I'm launching soon, and uh, I interviewed him for that uh, podcast, uh, in addition to that interview I did with him before for this piece on Slate, and meeting him in person was, like, even better than talking to him on the phone. Like, he's just, he's jokes a minute, he's very... Pleasant and just really friendly and warm, and he is in, indeed everything you would expect him to be. He's just really chill. I like him.
1: Yeah, that's good to hear. That is good to hear. That so, is good to hear. It's,
0: it's, it's great to hear like good things of, of your heroes. Yes, you know what I mean. So that's pretty dope. And uh, listen, to, listen, he should jumping into the.
1: I, hey, the I was about to say, orders. let us know when you launch.
2: I will, for sure. It should be in a few weeks, hopefully, so I will definitely let you know.
1: Okay. Is it, I mean, can you talk about it yet, or are we just going to Oh, let, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, is yeah. it? Is um,
1: it? Is it black culture? Is it films? Is it, what all is it?
2: Yeah, so it's called Represent, and it's a going to be a show in which I discuss film and TV um, that is made for or created by... Um, People of color, women, LGBT, basically anyone who's not white, straight, and male. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'll be I'll be interviewing and having conversations with uh, different people behind the scenes, whether they're actors, um, filmmakers, editors, cinematographers, costume designers, um, all that sort of stuff, and just want to talk to them about their work and what it's like for them within the industry, and just dig deep into like. Working in in behind the camera and in front of the camera and from the perspective of uh, people who are typically not represented or who are misrepresented often in in Sylvan TV, so it should be fun.
1: Very nice. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Represent,
0: with, represent with Aisha Harris. That, that just <laughs> that just sounds official. Yes, you know what I mean. Yo, I, I can't wait to check that out. Real, that'll be really dope. Aisha, thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much for yes. taking the time yes. to to talk to us. Um Of course, re- thank you. Really appreciate it. It was kind of cool. I'm not I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. It was it was kind of cool like re- reading that list and like seeing movies like middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and um uh uh, oh God! What's the what's the what's the film? Oh, Medicine for Melancholy. Right, right. Like, like mm. see, like, like films we've actually, like, talked, like about. Films we yeah. actually <laughs> talked about. like yeah, we we were there. We did that. Right, right. We did that once. <laughs> you know, well, so. I
1: think you can tell the difference between a list that was made by, I mean, frankly, black filmmakers and and people who care about this thing. Yeah. So as opposed to a you know, an aggregate generator. So very yeah. nice.
0: Very nice.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it.
0: Well done. Well done. Uh, Aisha Harris from Slate.com, soon to be Aisha Harris of Represent the Podcast (laughs) here on the Michelle Mission. Thank you very much, Aisha.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Take care. Take care. care. (laughs)